to the next part of this special series of Analyze This Here. You might be wondering why I sound like a pirate, uh, and it's really not a pirate so much as a, a longshoreman in my heart, uh, just more like a, a withered sailor who has to work on the docks now because he can't bear another moment at sea. That's the, that's, that's the meaning behind my yar. What about yours? Question mark. Let me know using the hashtag analyze this. Um, hi, everybody. Welcome to part two of our Mother's Day special in which I uh, uh, finish a, a very, very fascinating conversation with me madre. Um, yeah, well, ain't no time like the present. Enjoy. So we were talking about mental health days. Ooh, look at you, a natural radio host. That's exactly right. It's like we just got back from the break. Yeah. So tell me about, yeah, tell me about mental health days and the origin of that. Well, you would come home afraid you were going to die in Armageddon. And (laughs) and both of you. And it would be like nearly time to go to bed. And you hadn't had a chance to decompress from the weekend. And it would be time to go to school. And so occasionally, not all the time, but I would let you take that Monday off. And I got in trouble for it. I know. It was considered taboo. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you did the right thing though, mom, because, you know, I, school, like this world isn't built for us. You know, like school, the school structure was really hard for me, you know, and, and, I think that for me, especially during first grade or however, whenever it was, but like having to take myself to school those mornings is that without that mental health day, I mean, I I was a wreck because I'd I'd have to go to school and then what? They'd be like, hey, here's all these random assignments, you know, and it's like, what? Huh? What's happening? Can't we just learn things? Come on, people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there was all these re, there was all these things we were supposed to have, you know, and that's, it's just like in my adulthood, I see how optional these things are, but this kind of mandatory, like, here's your binders and here's your binder paper and here's standardized testing. And here's, you have to buy this and buy this and buy this and buy this. And it just was, it just, it always made you feel less than, you know, and it took me years to, and I still, I think, have that inherent less than feeling, you know, because on one hand, we'd be struggling as a family, but at least we were a family. You and me and Naomi, we were a unit. We loved each other. It was us. And then on the other hand, there'd be this reinforcement of this Armageddon doctrine, you know, and that oh, I was God. less than because I was going to die in the blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, it was a real mind fuck. <laughs> it was really bad. It's like, even now, I hesitate to say anything against Jehovah's Witnesses because I'm afraid the elders are going to get mad at me. But <laughs> it was it was really bad. It was bad and, for women, bad for children. Yeah. And, you know, we were living a worldly lifestyle. So you would come back into my worldly house after spending a weekend as a Jehovah's Witness. And it would be, you know, putting it all back together. 
It was a, and a discombobulating and recombobulating. That. Yeah. And you were six years old. And it was really hard for you to walk to school by yourself because you were a late bird and Naomi or an early bird and Naomi wasn't, but somehow or other you didn't walk with your sister to school. Naomi was an early bird and I was a late bird. And I remember you try, you talking to the school. I remember you talking to the school saying, I'm a single mom. I, I have an older daughter and a younger daughter and they need to both go to school at the same time. We live one block from the school like, come on, people, just make Hannah an early bird so both her and Naomi will go to school at 8.30. And they were like, nope, Hannah's a late bird. She goes to school at 9.30. And it's like, no slack from the school, no slack from work. And, you know, we had to, we had to manage it, you know? Yes. And I, I feel nothing but like, I don't know, pride. I give us mad props, especially now that I'm older and I see how, mom, you have no idea how many families struggled in similar ways as us, mom. Truly, truly, truly. It's super, super, super fucking hard. And you went to Berkeley? Yeah, and I went to Berkeley. Oh, that is such a beautiful gift, mom. You always made it. You, one of the things that I really, really, really value about your, your motherhood and your parenting is that, um, that you told us we were smart. You were proud of us. You didn't care about our grades at all, which was such a gift, you know, such a gift. I worry about that. Really? Yes. Because we didn't sit there and peruse the report cards and worry about them. And I felt like that was one of the things that was neglectful was that I didn't bother you about your grades. Right. You didn't bother us about our grades because you were too you busy. About your grades when you were so good. You were so good. <laughs> yeah. And you were too busy making sure we weren't drug addicts and assholes. And you were like, huh? I don't care how their grades are. They're good children growing up to be good people. Yeah. I think that's fine they're curious and kind so I don't care what their grades look like but you made good grades anyway because you got into Berkeley I mean honestly I did not get into Berkeley because of my grades mom I got into Berkeley because of privilege and good looks and charm you know yes (laughs) but yeah no I really I really appreciated that though because your encouragement about education you know where where did that come from did were you encouraged to be educated yes because my grandmother who i modeled myself after because i needed a, a biological parent for an example someone that i could say okay that's how you do it and i had several examples and all of them were well-educated women so i knew we could do it now my father did not believe in educating women he actually did not believe in sending women to college what a strange belief it's bizarre. It's hard to believe that he was an educated man, but he was. And he actually came downstairs one day and knocked on my door and said, Annette, I am not going to send you to college because you're just going to get married. What? And what year was this? 19... 1972. 1972. He comes in and he's like, you're just going to get married. Right. Exactly. 
Wow. And what, what wife number was he on at that point? <laughs> wife number two. Okay. <laughs> and so what did you, how did you respond? What did you, I you said, know, that must've hurt. That must've been, I, no. my dad had so much going for him. He was a really wonderful dad. Um, he used to take me out to breakfast every Sunday. He'd buy a newspaper and we'd discuss current events. That's awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. He was. I had every reason to succeed in school, even though he wasn't trying. <laughs> well, what did you decide though regarding, so he comes in 1972, I'm not gonna send you to college. So what did that really mean, send you to college? Well, he just kind of stayed out of it. It's like there was a level of parenting that he wasn't doing. And that in a way, you know, I did kind of, but I didn't latch on to your grades and worry you about, worry you about them. No, you didn't. Yeah, but you were my advocate, mom. You know that? I was. Was I remember you had an IEP and they invited David and I to the IEP. What's that? And it was a get, get together with Miss Laundry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we all sat together in this little room and had a meeting about you and your grades. And I said, you can go ahead and put her in honors. She should be all honors student in AP classes, advanced placement classes that you should be all advanced placement classes. That even though my grades didn't reflect it, the circumstance, I mean, mom, you have to give yourself such credit for this, that you had this, this higher awareness and humility to say, you know, my kids' grades aren't that good because we have a lot of factors going on at home and we have a lot of stressors and we're doing the best we can, but, please, but you gotta put my kid in honors and AP because you know they're intelligent and I'm, I'm sitting here advocating for them. And, and no parents, do you know how few parents would show up and say, yeah, you know, really? Uh, we're not set up for success in terms of this academic structure. However, my child is very intelligent and great. Please don't punish them. Please put them into honors, even though we're not at that resource level. And Ms. Laundrie agreed with me. All my teachers agreed with you, mom. You know, you advocated for me on more than one occasion yeah. throughout all of my uh, primary education. Yeah. You were a huge, huge advocate for me. And I remember thinking it was so embarrassing because I was just like, well, I remember being like- You weren't getting some homework done. You needed more parental support and I was working, you know. And we had a baby at that point. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I was working. We had a baby in the house and you were working. Yeah. You know, so we were a family unit. Yeah, we were. I remember when I was little being embarrassed and being like, thinking to myself, just let me be dumb. God, just let me just, just, I'll just do it, whatever. But I'm so grateful that you kept, that you fought for me and put me in the classes that um, really helped me grow as a as a communicator um and just to value curiosity you put me you know that's one of the things that i think is is such a loss for quote unquote these 
not AP, not honors, et cetera, et cetera, is that there's a lot less room for curiosity or questioning or doubt, you know, of fact checking and interest, you know, there's a, yes. a debate, you know, um, which I think is what the purpose of education is for. It's to teach people how to function with each other in a society of differences and different needs. And I, at the time, I didn't know what you were fighting so hard for, mom, but you were really giving me every single tool I needed and every opportunity I needed to succeed exactly within the circumstances we had. Right. You never, ever, ever blamed me for not getting homework done, ever. You didn't show up and say, I don't know what's wrong with her. I guess she's lazy. Never. No, I, no, I never did that. Do no. you know how many parents, when they, do you know how many parents lack that humility and grace? They're com completely wrongheaded. Yeah. You know, they don't realize it takes a lot to be a really good kid. You know, you didn't cut school. You didn't take drugs. You didn't do any of people. The, you didn't do any of the things that, that some adolescents do. And they're really just looking for that mental health day. They're really just looking for that break. Yeah. The grind. The, that they were learning about and studying and in addition to school. Yeah. The school of life. It's well, well, they get into gangs and stuff because they're looking for familial support. Because and they because a lot of families are busy working and they don't have any sort of structural support and there's no break. There's no pause. I'm learning about so much. Can I intake this? And some of our most intelligent members of society absolutely need breaks yeah. because it doesn't just wash over them. It, it forms wrinkles in the brain. Kids need sleep, you know? Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons you've had mental health days where you would just stay home from school was you needed sleep. Yeah, I couldn't really, I, I've always struggled with sleeping at night. <laughs> well, it's just, I, it amazes me the lack of appreciation adults have for kids, you know? I know. Really, if you've got a really good kid that's really trying her best, you've got a lot. an extracurricular of course we didn't know you had ADD so wow. well I I was I would never let you be pulled from a class for special ed I would never no, they, they tried to I remember in second grade when they tried to put me in special ed and you were like you, you raised such a stink you see but you're my advocate mom you advocated for me society like literally the structure of the of, of where we live Try, yeah. kept trying to pull me onto a different path. They really kept trying to pull me onto a different path. And you, as my mother, my advocate, my savior, my saint, you were like, nope, nope, nope. I see the forest through the trees. I, I, this is, I see her 
you were in second grade and she was trying to say that you had a lisp, you had no front teeth. <laughs> and um, Mrs. Oh, I can't remember her name. One of, one, of your teachers, one of your teachers came in with me to the special ed classroom and we just sat her down and said, you cannot put this child in special ed because she has no front teeth. She will get front teeth. She's just got a November birthday. And I was um, a little young. She's a little bit young and she has no front teeth for this class. And that's what you're using to say she has a speech impediment. And we just said Learning no. Disability. No, they were they were trying for speech impediment. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, your teeth came in just fine. Yeah, oh, brilliantly. In fact, I uh, my teeth are some of my as uh, part of my sparkling pride and joy over here. Yes, you, know? you have great teeth. <laughs> Got great teeth. Got great teeth. Well, I, you know, mom, it, it, oh, you know, we got, uh, we were talking about college education, but I, I know the story, but so what, so in 1972, you know, what was your experience like then in terms of education? You were such a, an advocate for me, but when it came to going to college, what, how, what happened? You graduate high school. What leads to you being pregnant with your first kid by 22? Where, what's that gap? What's that look like? Junior college. Um, I went to junior college and I got a job at school. So I worked at school in the media center, which was like a, an audio video library. And cool. it was so cool. And um, I spent years there and did really well. And I was a broadcast engineering major. In the 1970s, in the a 1970s. young woman with an interest in broadcast engineering. Yes, that's right. That's pretty cool, Mom. It you was. know, they have whole movements today about trying to get women into the STEM programs, engineering, mathematics, science, and tap dance. I don't know what the S and the T are. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, it's, it's, it's a STEM. It's... There's, you know, if you listened to radio outside of your inflammatory misogynist talk radio, you would hear <laughs> about how wonderful society is trying to become. And I think the young woman from the 1970s, 80s and 90s who fought so hard uh, would be very happy to hear STEM. OK, here we go. Uh, STEM stands for it is science, technology, engineering and mathematics. And so what is currently a part of our modern era is the um, institutionalized oppression of, of women and people of color outside of the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics sections. So mm -hmm. mom, you in the 1970s, early 1970s, as a young woman with an interest in engineering, you, it literally wasn't built for you then. They were like, no, thank you, ma'am. The support wasn't there, but your interest was valid, mom. Your curiosity was good. Yes. You know? I was one of the few women in broadcast engineering. Yeah. It was really fun. KCSM. KCSM. What drew you to, I guess, media and interest in science and technologies? I mean, you were also really into computer science when in the 80s. 
Well, I didn't want to be talent. I didn't really want to be a news anchor, which was the other thing they were capable of. It was like you had a choice. You could be behind the scenes, a technical director or a producer or something like that, or you could be a news anchor. Yeah. Nowadays, the anchors produce the news. They do a lot. Yeah. But they, but there's still room for producers. It's so, you know, that it is such, this time period is now a field of study these days, mom. You know, I worked at the School of Journalism when I was in college. That's how I helped Great. pay for getting through school. I worked at the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism. And this specific, these, the 1970s through 90s era of news media takes this otherworldly transformation from an information-based medium to an entertainment-based medium. And then the internet, and then the internet. <laughs> yeah. Then the it's in- like, and then the internet. <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh, mom, I could talk to you all the time. I love you. I think you're so, so great. And I have to say that like, even in, well, did you get your degree? Were you able to finish school? No, I wasn't any able sport? to finish school. I was busy trying to support myself and have a life and School's not that. School is about school. So I didn't make it. Yeah, school's about school. I mean, I wouldn't, mom, I hope you really know that without your advocacy and support, I wouldn't have made it either. Well, I enjoyed advocating for you. You guys were good. And you're a good mom. Thank you. You It's funny, the parallel, huh? Yeah, this like mirror, mirror world we live in. You advocate for me. You advocate for me. Seriously, I owe you, I owe you everything. Surprise. I owe you I owe you everything. You're my mom. But yeah, no, it comes full circle. It's you know, I was like she's a good mom. She's a good mom. Yeah. You know. Um and we've had our 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 own family journey, but I it's an honor to advocate for you, mom. Well, thank you, Hannah. I really appreciate it. And I have to advocate for you against you. I have to say, you know, your cell phone needs a battery to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I can get it at the Apple store. So you can get it at the Apple store. Everything's wonderful. It's silly things we talk about. Yeah, we silly keep things. You on track. I do keep you on track. I insist you go on walks. And you have your own self-agency and autonomy, but as as your conservator and advocate, advocate is really a better term. Yes. As your advocate, mom, it I will bug you for the rest of my days to be the happiest, healthiest, highest self you can be because I know you and I see you and you have been through a lot and you're not lost and we're going to have these years in our life. We had a a really hard time. We have risen above it and we can return to the life that you fought so hard for us to have. That was one of the chief things that I tried for was that there be no blame, no judging when you were a little girl so that you never felt responsible for anything. And you were a mess. (laughs) Oh, God. You, you, 
there's no there's no place in in school for a high IQ, high achieving, ADD student. They drop them down to the level of retards, <laughs> and that's yeah. a taboo term. I don't know the correct term, but that's I, I yeah. Do. And I totally didn't let them. It was like nobody was accusing you of ADD. I know. Thank God, I, I was. I was a hard mess. time defending myself. Well, because you had ADD, you know, yeah. you around the house breaking things. <laughs> I would. I like to, and like you know what? So, oh man, it's so frustrating because the same things I would do as a kid when little boys would do it. Like I like to take things all the way apart. Yeah. I would take something and take it all the way apart, and that action. And the little boys in my same generation was met with, oh, he's so brilliant. Yeah. Oh, a future engineer, so smart, so curious. And not, you know, exactly. as a little girl, you know, the, uh, yeah, I was a mess. I, I would, I would like, I'd like to take things apart. I like to make fire. I like to, <laughs> I was, I was a messy kid. I was not in that respect. I didn't make it easy for you at all. No. I was good, you know, you were good. Yeah. You were so good. You were both so good. I would carve things into the desk. It's okay. That's something kids do. I was curious. And you never punished me for curiosity. And it's such a gift, Mom. Truly, truly. As I watch the world continue to turn, I am so, so blessed for you in so many ways. Yes. So I wanted to show you something here as we wind down and we end our, our wonderful Mother's Day podcast. My mom, thank you so much for being so brave and being here. That um, I got this really cool thing that I wanted to show you. And that cool thing is this. Oh, wow. So, oh, how neat. What can, can you describe for our listeners what you're seeing? Okay, it's it's uh, an egg. It's opalescent and blue, as though it was a marble egg. Yes, it's a it's a kintsugi eggshell, and what this eggshell is, and I'll describe it too. It's a it's got a teal and um, a variant teal quality. For those of you who are part of our Patreon, I'll post a picture and. You know what? What the hell? It's a holiday, special occasion. Mom's here. I'll post a picture on our main, our main, our main channels too. But it's a kintsugi egg, and kintsugi means see the gold. And I will, uh, or translate that as gold joining kintsugi. Okay. <clears throat> Translated as golden joining, kintsugi is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with liquid gold. The breakages are enhanced and the value of the piece is increased because it becomes a one-of-a-kind work of art. This modern Midwestern take on kintsugi incorporates a material that we often break and throw away, the simple, fragile egg. We all face times of a great stress, pain, and loss, a breakage. The encouraging gift of a kintsugi egg is a reminder that the cracks make us uniquely strong and beautiful. We are resilient, imperfect beings who break, survive, and heal over and over. 
Whatever we experience, we can choose to look for and see the gold. When, while the cracks may seem random, each one is deliberately placed. Kintsugi eggs are hand tinted, sealed and strengthened with light fast artist quality materials. Uh, and then it talks about how to care for your Kintsugi egg, but isn't that beautiful? Yes, it is. It's so, marble with veins of um, gold. Yes. Egg shaped. Yes. So it is a beautiful, beautiful eggshell that has been filled with liquid gold to repair itself. So spoiler alert, I'm going to get you one of these for Mother's Day. Oh, how I love you. How great is that, huh? I'll take Thank a picture you, of you. Ah, of course. I'm doing screenshotting. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah. It was great. I love you so much, Mom. And as the Kintsugi, our family, I feel like this eggshell really represents us, you know? We are resilient, imperfect. We are beings who break, survive, and heal over and over again. Whatever we experience, we choose to look for and see gold. Well, thank you, Anna. That's what I see. That's what I see in us. And that's why you need to take a walk every day yeah. so that you can remember that we're in the present and we can look for and see gold. <laughs> yes, that's my thing. I know. I love you, Mom. Thank you so much for being here. It's meant the world to me. You're welcome, Hannah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm stopping the recording. <sighs> Thank you, earbuds, for going on this journey with me. If you would like to continue to journey together, you can find me all across the internet at Harto, H-A-R-T-O. Um, and yeah, or buy any of my books. Or, you know, do whatever. Do whatever fills your cup, my friend. Um, that's all. Bye-bye.